This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays with a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. It's Natterdays. They're going to run and get that boot. The Arkansas Razorbacks have completed the dream season. A baseball team that's on the way back. A college world series title. The Bomb Stadium. I almost got fired because I went Willie the boss after I had a little too much sauce. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Mondays are always just, someone's got a case of the Monday. It's always bad. And then Wednesday's hump day. You're halfway Tuesday, through it. Tuesday means you got to get all the work done you put off yesterday. And it really since last Friday. Because you blamed it on a Monday yesterday. So Tuesday, you got you to gotta hook it up today. Huh. Is that kind of how you do or have no, it going on today? No, or? no I'm okay. not behind on anything. Oh, okay. Of course you're not. You're Tommy Kraft. You're never behind. <laughs> yeah, you give it to somebody else to do. Yeah, I don't want to do this. Yeah, so you don't have to worry about it. But they, no, that's just the thing. Is this? It's Tuesdays, and it's hard to throw anything at you and say, "All right, well, you know, this goes on on Tuesday, or this is the classic type of Tuesday." Tuesday's just Tuesday. So yeah, what what do you have to look forward to on a Tuesday other than the morning rush? Of course. Yes, of course. But I mean, that's every day. <laughs> let's be honest. But I, you know, I don't know. I honestly don't know. So that's what's kind of funny about yeah. it, and that's why you know we don't make a big deal out of Tuesdays. We but just you, try to make you it think happen. about it, though. I mean, we don't have. I mean, we come in and we get to have a fun time doing this. But you think about it just like like you got a, a a a pie of work to do here. Just put it in. How much of that do you get done on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays versus Mondays and Fridays? How much productivity do you think is done, particularly on Fridays? Oh, not much. Yeah, exactly. Not much at all. So Tuesday's a key day. You got to get a lot done on a Tuesday. Maybe that's what it should be known as, the productivity day. Yeah. The day where you have nothing else or no other excuses of reasons to why you shouldn't get work done. So you work ahead a little bit. Yeah. So that way, Wednesday... Well, because yeah, nobody wants to have a meeting. Hey, can I meet with you about such and such or so and so? Eh, let's. How about Monday? No, Monday's, no one, Monday's never good for anybody. No, I got some things I can get caught. Tuesday. Let's meet Tuesday. Or let's meet Wednesday. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday where you know those are difference-making days. Yep. Tuesday's a big day. You got to make a difference today. I'm glad how you just completely did the, the 180 on it. Now you found a way to make Tuesday a great day. Big day. So it's a big day. And it's Taco Tuesday. And it's Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Productivity day and Taco Tuesday. What else do you need, really? I mean, that, that's all you need. But you know what? Shout out to all the Mexican restaurants that decided Taco Tuesday was a great thing because, yeah. hey, now we have finally something to look forward there to on go. Tuesday. So there you go. Happy Tuesday, everybody. That's, that's really where we wanted to start off the show. And uh, now yeah, I want tacos. Yeah, I know. That's that's the problem. <laughs> Breakfast tacos, I guess. <laughs> Bring a taco. Yeah, I, I'll take that. Oh, don't say that because Officer Brina will come I'm rolling just, in and find it away. Yeah, because he'll come rolling in with the whole thing of tacos <laughs> uh, if you tell him to. But uh, we have a lot of things that we want to get into the show, obviously, today. But uh, we, we want to talk a lot of football, which is crazy because football's not really going on. I mean, it's not spring practice. It's not really any professional football or college football, but it's always football season essentially here on Sports Talk Radio especially because everybody loves to talk about football, right? Mm -hmm. That thing? We're always up for a football discussion. Yeah, especially one that can cause some controversy or at least can cause some strong opinions on a matter. And yesterday, if you were able to listen to the show, I believe it was around 8 o'clock, we alluded to this topic, but I really wanted to dive in hot and heavy this morning on this, and it was about a former NFL executive named Michael Lombardi. And if you hear the last name Lombardi and football, 
It's almost like, oh, this guy must know what he's talking about. He's got the last name of Lombardi. Isn't there a trophy? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's a pretty big trophy yeah. from what I understand. Uh, but it was over over the weekend when Michael Lombardi was doing an interview, and he's he's worked for various teams in the NFL. He's worked for the 49ers. He's worked for the Seahawks, worked for the Patriots. So he's been around a long time. And one of the comments. Not the Packers. <laughs> not the Packers, if you can believe it. It would have been a perfect that, fit. That is, that's irony, right? Yes. That's, yes, it would have been the perfect fit. Would have made for a better story. But no, he did not work for the Packers. But he came out and talked about Jarrett Stidham, the former Auburn quarterback. Who you know? We know that um, he last year was kind of a down year for Jared Stidham, considering how much hype that he had. People were expecting him to be first team All SEC, and it wasn't just him that struggled. It was the Auburn offense that struggled last year. But either way, Jared Stidham was drafted by the New England Patriots late in the NFL draft, and Michael Lombardi came out and said that Jared Stidham going to Auburn because originally, if you remember, he was at Baylor. When uh, right when all that stuff went down, uh, with uh, of course his name just escaped me. The Baylor coach, who was the Baylor coach there? Art the, Bryles. Art Bryles. Thank yeah. you, Ty. Art Bryles. He we was there when all that stuff went down, and then when uh, Art Bryles was fired, he was able to transfer, and he ended up at Auburn. And Michael Lombardi said he would have been better served if he would have just stayed at Baylor under Matt Rule, because when you go to a place like Auburn and you play in an offense like what Gus Malzahn runs at Auburn. You are going to be set back as a quarterback in your development, and you will not translate as well to the NFL in that style of offense. So pretty strong words from Michael Lombardi. And when that was said, and I read that article about that interview that he had, it made me start to wonder because, as we know and as we've talked about since Chad Morris has been at Arkansas, there is a lot of relations and a lot of comparisons that can be drawn between Chad Morse's offensive philosophy and how he approaches the game to Gus Malzahn. In fact, what, what was it that Chad Morse would even talk about? Him and Gus Malzahn, would, like, they've had coaches parties or whatever where they just hang out and have a Bible study and write up plays and I stuff. I think they call it football Bible study. Yes, there it was. There it was. I knew Some, something along those lines. Yes, so they had a football Bible study because that's how close their relationship is. They're, they're really good friends, and, and there's a lot of similarities to how they came up in the college game. Both of them were notorious high school coaches in their own states. Obviously, Malzahn in Arkansas and Chad Morris in Texas. So there was a lot of similarities on how that was brought up. And it, it makes you wonder, though, because I think there's enough evidence of what uh, Gus Malzahn's been able to do at Auburn and especially the quarterback situation of how they translate into the NFL. Is there a little bit of a fear? Is there a little bit of a concern? And is there a little bit of truth to Michael Lombardi's comments about this type of system developing quarterbacks and getting them ready, NFL ready, to go not only into the league, but to perform well in the league. Uh, that, that, it, it is interesting to hear someone that's got so much experience at the next level make a comment, and you know, obviously the, the conversation was about Stidham. He wasn't really zeroing out all Right, right. But he is calling out a little bit a philosophy or a style it, it, it's in his words. Or is he calling out a coaching staff? I don't think that's what he's doing. I don't think he's saying... Malzahn can't develop quarterbacks that that succeed at the next level. But there's a, you know, I go back to, let's go back to Petrino. He keeps coming up in our conversations a lot. Name me a great NFL quarterback he's developed. I mean, the best one Not, might be Ryan Mallett, right. but he was just Who a just, perennial backup. Exactly. Ryan Mallett's probably 
his poster childhood quarterback as far as making the league, sticking around the league, and making some money. Our buddy Tyler made it to the league, was there mm-hmm. three years, but never could get the... Tra- I mean, you just go through... He didn't get the traction that he obviously was 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 looking for. And Petrino's philosophy... And go back to his first stint at Louisville. His second stint at Louisville, you have a Heisman Trophy winner, but even that talent hasn't transcended to superstar right. level. But that's okay. Probably a decent career there. So, I mean... It, you just go through it. Petrino really hadn't had a lot of consistent success. So you could go through other coaches. I bring right. that one up because it's familiar to us. Right. But he won a lot of games in college football. You know, so I go back. Malzahn, Cam Newton, yes, as an offensive coordinator, but Cam Newton's talent really. He transcended the. Any, he could have right. performed great any offense. He could have played in the power eye. Yeah, triple mattered. option. He would have found a way. Wouldn't mattered. Cam Newton was that good. So. Other than Cam Newton's obvious superstar Pro Bowl type career, who else is the Malzahn system developed as a great NFL quarterback? Or even I'm not even talking great, just good starting quarterback. You're one of the 32 consistent starters in the league in your era. I'm, I can't think of anyone. No, but Malzahn's won a lot of games, division titles, SEC championships. Mm-hmm. You want to have a resume that says you can do both, like Saban. But ultimately, what's the job of a college football coach? Win games. Win games where you're at right now. And, you know, one of the byproducts of that, you hope, is I got left tackles, I got defensive ends, and I got quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs. You keep going down, not just that all do well out of our system going to the next level. But it is an interesting comment because – you think, well, I mean, are the best quarterbacks in the country really going to consider coming to a place like Auburn or Arkansas, who has so many offensive philosophy parallels? Mm-hmm. It does make you wonder about, you know, if you're that parade All-American five-star quarterback, are there concerns about Arkansas? Are there concerns about Auburn or other philosophies out there because of a comment like this? Mm-hmm. I don't think it leads to, hey, you're going to miss out on you know, all these great quarterbacks. No, no good quarterback's going to want to come to your school, but you know, I don't think it's, it's that, no. that dire situation. No, so. not yet. But it is really fascinating because, like you mentioned, there's no proof in the pudding. There's no like, well, exception where you can say, no, no, no. He's had, Malzahn's had a quarterback. Look at this quarterback, quarterback A right here in the NFL. Like, as great a seasons as he's had, as successful of offenses he's had, there has been some problems there with translating into the NFL game. I think, I think the NFL game is going to be an interesting watch over the next two to three, four seasons, particularly to see how well Kyler Murray does, mm-hmm. if what goes on in Cleveland can continue, and Baker Mayfield. We've seen, obviously, enough out of a guy like Russell Wilson. I bring all that up because these are not quarterbacks that fit the prototypical dimensions. 6'2", six, 6'3", six, certain hand size, you know, all of these all of these measurables that they've always looked for in a stock quarterback in the NFL. Is the position evolving? Is the position changing? Kyler Murray's the next experiment, if you will, in Arizona. If he has success with what he's doing, I think 
the offensive philosophies of the NFL are going to be much more married to what we're mm-hmm. seeing in college football. There's no doubt Malzahn's system has had success. To say that, you know, well, the parallels at Arkansas are, are now concerning because of this comment. No, 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 no. The, the job, again, is to win games, games in the SEC. That's the job. Malzahn's done that. Maybe not as consistent as he'd like, but he has a track record of success. Yeah. Well, see, and then that's what's come down to, and that's what I really want to make the discussion about today is just, it, again, not saying that, oh, this one comment means that all of a sudden Arkansas and Chad Morris are going to struggle <laughs> to have quarterback play that's going to be consistent. Like, that's that's not the point. But My, when a guy like, you know, when a guy named Lombardi says it. Yeah, and, and that's the point. It's just <laughs> when you look at it, though, and you really look at the evidence, is his comments valid is really what it comes down to. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, a light lager brewed with a phenomenal strawberry lemonade flavor that's perfect for bringing the fun to every occasion. The new Natural Light Natterdays. Touchdown, Hogs! Holy Hog! What's going on, Danny? Good morning, guys. Uh, you know, the, the NFL's changing. It, it really is. Uh, the last two Heisman Trophy winners came from University of Oklahoma. That's right. And I know they run a run-pass, dual-threat-type situation with Baker Mayfield and <laughs> and uh, what's his name? Ba- uh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, yeah. There you go. Anyway, uh, you know, Auburn, I think they're a run-first offense. I don't really know what Arkansas is yet because we don't have any receivers, <laughs> but hopefully we're getting some up there. We don't know uh, if we want to, how much we want to throw the ball, but Gus wants to run the ball. Right. And why well, I say it, if you can throw the ball and you've got good intelligence and you can learn the NFL system, you'll be successful. I mean, I don't care what offense you're in. Cam Newton worked out okay, and Baker Mayfield, he's done pretty well. I mean, what offense are you going to come from? I mean, Baylor, don't they run a similar offense to uh, Auburn? Well, I think that theirs are more pass-heavy than Auburn's is, because yeah. that, that's kind of the, the confusion where it comes into play. And I'm not, I'm not saying you have it confused, yeah. Danny, but there's just a lot of people that believe that uh, the Malzahn offense is closer, similar to a lot of these Big 12 offenses, where it's just not the case, because Auburn and Malzahn, they want to run well, first, where exactly. those offenses in the Big 12, they are all about passing first. It, 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 it's, yeah, uh, Malzahn, he is definitely a run guy. Yeah. And he's been successful at times when he had good quarterbacks the right quarterback uh, so i don't know what arkansas is i don't know if they're run heavy or pass heavy or 50 50 i kind of hope they're 50 50 because that's usually a lot of success comes with that but yeah. anyway guys thanks for taking my call and have a good day yeah well, appreciate the phone call danny i mean what you want to be able to do is both obviously yeah so you want a quarterback that can run the rpos and that's the thing we don't get to see particularly in the spring practices in the spring game is the running ability, the true running ability of a quarterback. We don't even get to see it in August. And, I, and we talked about this last year when they honestly and obviously in hindsight had trouble identifying who the quarterback should be for the team because such an element of that is being able to run the ball live, the scrambling ability. And when you've got your quarterback in a protective jersey and the defense knows they can't really go after the quarterback in a full manner, you don't really get a full a full read on that when it's not live. Yeah. And... 
I think that's one thing as, as Arkansas's uh, quarterback development continues is you're looking for that quarterback that when the ball is live can make things happen mm-hmm. when it breaks down. It's not about when everything goes right and the receiver gets open, can you make the pass? It's what are you going to do when it all goes to heck in a handbasket on you? Yeah. Then what's the quarterback going to do? Yeah. You know? Because that's going to happen a lot with SEC defenses. Yeah. But, it you know, the smash mouth spread is what it's been called. And, you know, everybody hears the word spread and they think throw. But that's not always the, the translation. No. And, and, in fact, if you look at back when Malzahn first became an offensive coordinator, I mean, <laughs> At Arkansas, what did he have? He had great running backs that had great seasons, and one of them having a Heisman Trophy-type season. Still feel like he should have won the Heisman Trophy, but that's neither here nor there. But still, it was it was a run-oriented type of offense. But that's, yeah, that, but that's he, that wasn't his offense. That was well, no, but that was I'm, Houston nuts. No, but I'm saying he had he had a hand on it. No, he for sure. I mean, but he still had a lot of. He made some changes. That, you know, well, with I mean, the Wildcat development and all that, there were some developments that were made to cater towards those players. You know. The best coaches are the ones that can adapt and transform their offense to mold around the players they have and their strengths. And how many times, I mean, we made a point of this last football season and leading up to the season about, I believe the adapt was the exact word that, that Chad Morris continued to use. We got to adapt. We got to adapt. Yeah. You know, we got we to find ways to make it fit for, for our So I think Arkansas, until they get 85 scholarship players and other whatever it is, 25 or so that you can carry, what, up to your 120 now, um, until you get to all those players that are hand-selected 100% by this Chad Moore staff and are, are here and built to run the system, particularly the offensive side that he wants to run, that's when you're going to see the big strides made. Some this year, but I really believe a lot more next year. Yeah. As far as offensive philosophy and, oh, this is what it's really supposed to look like. Yeah. Well, see, that's the, and that's what's kind of in the waiting game right now because, like Danny said, we hadn't seen enough from Chad Morse in his offense to know exactly what, what is it going to be about. Is it going to be more run heavy? Is it going to be more pass heavy? Are they going to find a balance? What's it going to look like when they run the ball or when they pass the ball? I mean, we just don't have enough evidence. Why, why do you think he wanted Ben Hicks in here so bad? Right. Starkle in here so Because they're, they're capable of doing the things he wants to do. Yeah, I mean. He, more capable than what he had, at least. Yeah, and that was the key. And So it's a matter of what improvement are you going to make? What steps are going to be taken? What differences are you going to make as a, new, as a coach and as a quarterback and as an offense? What direction are you going to go with it? So if there is tremendous strides from this past season to this next season, then you'll know that a lot of it came down to the quarterback situation. I know that it's a team effort and you got other things going on and you got, you know, obviously what the offensive line has to step up in a big way. We all know that. These wide receivers, these freshman wide receivers who has a lot of expectations on themselves. I mean, they're going to have to step up. There's going to be plenty of players that are going to have to step up, but I feel like if the offense is really going to take that next step, it's going to be because they have a quarterback in place whether it's Ben Hicks or Nick Starkle or whoever. It's going to be because those players were able to elevate that offense. Those quarterbacks were able to elevate that offense. So it's going to come down to that position and that position alone. Let's go back to the phone line. Zach is in Clinton. What's going on, Zach? Hey, guys. Good morning. Uh, good discussion. Um, one thing I wanted to or thought I had was as it pertains to like Malzahn's offense at Auburn, is it's much more of a you know read run first and then mm-hmm. probably just a one. One receiver, maybe a safety valve type, uh, you know, pass option out of that. And it's normally successful with, 
obviously a running quarterback like Nick Marshall. You, Jared Stidham is a much better quarterback than Nick Marshall could ever think about, right? Right. Um, or if you have some freak of an athlete like Cam Newton. But, you know, to to compare Arkansas to what we might look like in a couple of years, I mean, I would look at Clemson, right? Um, that That's the backbone of what Clemson runs is still what Morris brought in there, which is, you know, I, I think Auburn is much more uh, predicated or successful with a running quarterback, whereas what Morris is doing, I think, is more suited for a pocket-style passer, even though having that dual threat is great, to where out of that, you know, if he decides to pull and not give the ball, he's going through a progression of, you know, two, three, and possibly even four four reads. Right. Um, and so, I, it obviously, we've got to get athletes better than what we have. And I think, you know, guys like Trey Knox and, and that group of receivers and, and uh and uh, tight ends come in is is a step in the right direction, um, but yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm more excited. You know, we've seen what Ben Hicks can do in this offense. I I think the X factor in all this is kind of starkle. Um, you know, and, and and when when he gets here, what what he's going to be able to do. But anyways, uh, enjoy the show. Just wanted to throw my two cents in there so have a good day yeah you too appreciate the phone call zach and good points by you because uh, that's that's really what the discussion is about is was this offense at arkansas going to look like in the next couple of years and you mentioned nick starkle which uh i mean i think we are all in agreement though that we don't feel like nick starkle is going to start game one this year i mean unless just he comes in and sets the world on fire 95 percent chance ben hicks yeah is your your starter obviously an injury obviously you know, I, I just happen. can't imagine because Starkle's not going to be on campus to what next Tuesday, a week from today. Yeah, is when he arrives. Now I know he was around some of the spring, but obviously not participating. I guess he got some mental reps, as they call it. And I'm sure cool. he's been doing some studying and watching film because Huddle or whatever they're yeah. using up there, and I believe that they use Huddle. But anyway, whatever they're using, you know, can be accessible to players. But I mean. So you're telling me this guy is so good he's going to be able to come in and overtake the quarterback that's been here, that's went through spring. I just don't see. It's familiar with Chad. Oh, and then Connor Nolan, who's been playing baseball, that missed most of spring and is going to miss a lot of the summer work. I don't see that working out as far as game one. I'm not saying none of the. I'm not saying Ben Hicks is your 12 game starter. Right. I'm just saying I can't see anyone else being the first quarterback out against Portland State. Yeah, in fact, if Nick Starker was that guy, you're hoping the reason he's that guy is because he just sets the world on fire right. in fall camp. It, you know, you can take that one of two ways: either yeah. Ben Hicks turned out to not be as good as you open, or Nick Starker was that great, or Nick Starker was that great. You'd hope for the latter if that happened, but I just cannot see a scenario where Ben Hicks is not the game one and probably at least game two starter. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. I can't see them making a change going into game two <laughs> against Ole Miss. Yeah. Yeah. Unless game one was just an epic disaster. Yeah, it would be disastrous. And that's the like last North Texas, what, five picks in the six, first or four picks. Four in the first half. Play, yeah. And anyway, six total. It'd have to be that kind of disaster. Yes. <laughs> before you make a change. And more boy, will those radio shows be fun that week if that happened. Mm. But uh let's hope it doesn't. Take the week off. Yeah. You know? But uh, to, uh, to your other comment though, Zach, about Auburn and their quarterbacks and how they treat it. Yeah, I think it is different because I know that 
like Chad Morris wants a mobile quarterback, but that doesn't necessarily mean he wants a quarterback that's going to run at 50% and pass at 50% of the time. Like he wants a guy that has the capability of being, if he's in trouble with, or however the offense set up, whatever the read he's making to be able to make a play with his legs. Well, like that's the type of quarterback you want. Can the quarterback just be just as effective from the pistol or the gun as he is under center and making the defense wonder what's getting ready to happen here? Yeah. And that's the other thing because this RPO stuff that's coming um, and has been really evolving in high school football and we're seeing uh, more of the evolution in college football as well, it's finding a quarterback that really understands how to, to read the end and know whether to tuck and run or whether to pull it and throw, you mm-hmm. know. And when you run that thing effectively and you got the defense on their heels, hard to stop. You may not score a bunch of touchdowns on those plays, but you can get a lot of first downs on those plays. And controlling possession is what it's all about. If you if you win the time of possession, that's I mean, that's the type of offense you want to be able to have. Because that means that it's hard for the other team to score when you have the ball. Yes. Yes, I think science has shown that. I think they did some stuff. It's far more different. It's not impossible. It's just far more different. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays. The new beer of the summer. With a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. Natterdays. Fun for every occasion. They won't catch him. Alex Collins is going to take it all the way to the house. You clicked your tongue. Does that mean you were about to say something? Oh, I thought that was your click. See, because that, like, that's the thing is we have cues here. I think that's what they're called. And when Tommy kind of clicks his tongue into the mic, that's when I know he has a point that he wants do to I, make. Do I do that? Well, you know, you just kind of go like I'm that. Preparing? Yeah, you're preparing. It's preparing like, to, to deliver knowledge? Yeah, well, it's because, you know, in, in a conversation, yeah, in a conversation mm. here on the radio, obviously we see each other, but there's I didn't also... I know I did that. Yeah, you have visual cues and you have the audio cues. Yeah. So that's that's when I, when I hear Tommy's little... <laughs> Right there into the mic. I know that he's he's ready to I'm, roll I'm, with something. I'm, I'm on the tee box. Yep. Huh? <laughs> that's right. You're ready to roll with something. No, I'll have to calm that down. All right. Well, I guess we have a misfire there. But that's all right. That's, <laughs> that's all right. My pin. Okay. Andy, so now Andy. I go. Okay. <laughs> Got the clicking of the pin now. So all right. So now I'll have to watch out for that. But uh, we've <laughs> we've had we've had some interesting conversation this morning about the quarterback situation in Arkansas, and uh, you know it was all stemmed from the uh, former NFL executive Michael Lombardi talking about how Jared Stidham, when he was at Auburn, he shouldn't have gone to Auburn when he was transferring out of Baylor because he felt like it was a hinder to his development as a quarterback. And if he would have gone elsewhere or even stayed at Baylor under Matt Rule, he could have developed a little easier. And it kind of works out perfectly because today we're also going to be recapping and previewing the Auburn Tiger football team. Then we're going to be joined by Justin Ferguson of The Athletic here in about an hour Mm -hmm. to talk a little bit more about it. But it's almost like we planned it this I way. I know. It was like perfect time. It's almost yeah. like we did some show prep or something. But, uh, you know, I think the fascinating thing about Auburn is there's always going to be an element of interest here in the state of Arkansas because, of course, of the Gus Malzahn angle. But also, it seems like every single year, Malzahn is on the hot seat. Every year. <laughs> every year. Like, is Eric, have you seen any other coach at any other major program where year in and year out, he has been on the hot seat. I mean, the only year he wasn't on the hot seat was after year two because he just played in the national championship or coached in the national championship. Seemed like Kevin Sumlin was a little bit that way at a yeah. and eventually they just ran him off. Yeah. But his problems were, you know, other than Manzelli couldn't figure out the quarterback room when he had nothing but five stars in there. Yeah, know? I'd say he had like a top five, top ten recruiting <laughs> class every year and he'd go seven and five. Tyler Murray wasn't good enough for that. Yeah, apparently. Jeez. Room. 
Yeah, I mean, that's just if I'm a Texas yeah. A&M fan, that still no, bothers me. No one's and some of this is Auburn got a taste of it, winning the national title, but they're right there in the shadow of Big Brother in Alabama, and Auburn doesn't have a lot of built-in excuses. No. You know, that's the problem. Other than the one glaring excuse, which is well, Alabama's really good and they're right up the road. But, yeah, not to mention also that Georgia has elevated their game and they're your yeah, East but, opponent and they're right across the right. state from you, so they're pretty close by as well. But now I see what you're saying. I see your point, but. Auburn last year went eight and five. They went three and five in conference. They won the Music City Bowl, la di da. And it just seems like Miles on has done just enough to keep his job at Auburn. Well, and the buyouts, what, 30 something million. But yes. other than that, you know. Sign that insane contract. Other than that, we're glad to have you. So let me ask if Miles on posts another seven and five year, I mean, are they finally going to bite the bullet? They're going to pay well, that massive buyout? They, yeah, because now it would be down, what's, down to in the 20 i, I can't I'm even have to I, I lose track contract, yeah it just basically his contract is guaranteed and it was 49 million and it's what seven something a year so it keeps coming down i, I think it's my understanding of his situation i don't care who you are or how much money you got paying a coach 25 or 30 million dollars to not work here is really not not an option a lot of people are going to pull a trigger on and no. I don't think all, Auburn doesn't have A&M kind of money. They don't have Alabama kind of money. They have more money than Arkansas, but, they, they, but they're not in a position to just dump 25 or $30 million or whatever that number would be. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at his contract right now, and it's crazy that this past December, if he would have been fired, it would have been $32 million okay, as a so, buyout. So this so year... Say it's $25 million or whatever. I, yeah. I don't know what it'd be, but it, yeah, it would be a lot. Mid-20s, yeah. That mm-hmm. would be assuming he doesn't get a job, move on, because I'm sure, I think his contract is not a fully guaranteed buyout, meaning like Kevin Sumlin had one of them crazy deals at A&M. Jimbo Fisher has one of those crazy deals where they fire him, you got to pay him all of the money. In like 60 days. You know... A&M has done some stupid stuff contract-wise that you just wonder. Well, when you have stupid money. Well, I guess so. <laughs> you can do it a lot of things with Again, it. Again, Auburn doesn't have stupid money. No, no, no. no. They're not to that level yet. And see, and that's where it really... I, I just can't see a school saying, yeah, we're going to write a check potentially over the next three or four years of about $25 million a year for a coach that doesn't work here. But, Tommy, you know as well as I do that this Auburn fan base, I mean, they are next level crazy when it comes to their coaches. Fan base may be, but the administration has to be responsible and be prudent with with the finances. I understand. I understand. But fan bases can be heard loud and clear, and they can have an impact, especially at a place like Auburn. And if he goes 7-5 and again this year, I just... He better like, be. He better do better the next year. Yeah, but that's the thing. He's like, you're just going to say, you're just. That's your hope. It's like, oh, well, let's hope he does better. No, but next when year. you sign a I, contract I and you them. put this kind of money on the table, you you really leave yourself no options or or few options unless you have a mega booster willing to come in and just foot the bill. Yeah, and in fact, it is. I'm reading this buyout, Tommy. If they fired him in 2022, which is three years from yeah. now. They would still owe him $17 million three years from now. You know what you call that? Job security. Yeah. <laughs> Malzahn and Jimmy Sexton, you guys are great. I mean, Job Jimmy Sexton, is, he's the man for that. T- I wish I had that type of contract. Don't we all? 
But, you know... You think maximum security is good? No. Job security is better. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're at Auburn. Especially when you have Jimmy Sexton as your agent. Job security. But but that's the thing is that... That'll, at buy, a lot, that'll buy a lot of wands over there on Tuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, when he wand. comes to town, that's like his favorite joint. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, there you go. Well, that, that's the thing... Well-known fact. Uh, ...about with, with going into this season, too, is... You have the SEC West, which we all know how how rigorous it can be. And you feel like LSU is still that team that's always going to be around. Getting to that nine-win mark is not prime for the mm-hmm. expectation. You have A&M, who could be up and coming. They won nine games last year. We'll see if they improve on that. But they have Jimbo Fisher. They have great recruiting classes. The studies would show that they would improve this year, at least be one of those teams that's being a force to be reckoned with. Mississippi State, who knows how they're going to develop. But my point is, is that where where is Auburn going to stack up in that? Because I don't think that people want to pay a coach $6.5 million a year, have this crazy buyout to finish fourth or fifth in the SEC West every year. Oh, Lord, no. So, you know, this is kind of the situation that they have found themselves in. Yeah. And if Malzahn ends up doing a terrible job, or I say terrible, ends up going 7-5 and five again this year... Boy, Auburn fans should really be upset with Arkansas because they're the ones that force the hand of these of these Auburn administration to sign this insane contract because of the interest or quote unquote interest that he had in the yeah. job just a couple years how many, ago. How many Auburn fans at this point, particularly they go seven and five this year on the Plains? How many fans would like to do over and say, "Oh, let him go to Arkansas"? Oh, I think most <laughs> of them would. Seriously, I think it's a good percentage right now. But um, you know, you really look in the, around the division. A&M's got a, a crazy financial deal. The, I mean, the one in Alabama is crazy, but it's merited. Yeah. And you look at, and that, that's going to change again now with what Clemson's done with Dabo. Mm-hmm. So, the, I mean, Alabama's not going to, even if Saban never asked for a dime, they're not going to sit back and let somebody else make more than their coach. Dabo going to make more than them. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's ever-changing. But I guess the question to but, it. But you just think about the financial obligations just around this division and it, it gets it gets pretty crazy in those top three or four schools yeah certainly does and it's only getting worse year in and year out but you how know, much are tickets going to cost five years from now <laughs> and, and does arkansas ever get in that game i mean if chad morris reeled off eight or nine wins in two years ten wins you know i don't think arkansas is going to get to a point they're paying him seven or eight minutes but that's that's what you're going to have to do if you want to keep a coach anymore. Yep. That's what you're going to have to do to stay in the game, to be able to compete against them. Golly. I know. And it's unfortunate, but that's just going to be the way it is. But, you know, look, but looking at the mouths on angle, and, and, though. And I'm sorry. But just to think, Ken Hatfield coached here 30 years ago for about 300000 or something like that a year. Yeah, I know. Well, just 30 years ago. Well, it was a huge Coaches de- made le- far less than half a million a year. Yeah. I mean, it was a huge deal when Houston Nutt made a million a year. Yeah. I mean, it just it was one of those big deals. But... You know, and just kind of going back to the Malzahn angle, it makes you wonder, though, at least makes me wonder, why hasn't it worked at the high level that Malzahn and the expectations that came along with it? Why hasn't he found consistency? What? Because I don't think he's a bad coach. No. He's and, I, and he's a he's a really good recruiter. They've had great recruiting classes. They've had some great transfers come in. So where has been the issue? Where has been the problem? Why haven't they been well, able to because they had a good year a couple years ago when they beat Alabama and they beat Georgia what you like we all know that but to the level that they expect why hasn't it gotten there quarterbacks I mean plain and simple yeah they haven't they keep playing musical chairs at the quarterback position and they haven't had consistency or stability there and he's not found the quarterback that's the perfect fit 
they're all in search of the next Cam Newton down there. And it just, you know, there's only one of those guys. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, anyone disagree? That's been the issue holding the offense back? That's what we've been talking about. That's what we've been talking about. And that's what a guy like Michael going, Lombardi's been saying. And they keep saying. going to the transfer market. They keep. They, when's the last time Auburn had a, a three to four year guy in the system? Doesn't like seem like Nick, it's happened in a long like time. A, I guess Nick Fitzgerald would fit that mold. A guy at Mississippi State or something, you know, yeah. some guy that's in your system, maybe watched a year or two and then was a starter two or three years. A, a Tyler Wilson kind of guy that two-year starter after, but, but on the team four to five seasons. When's the last time Auburn turned to one of those guys and not the transfer market? It's been a long time. Exactly. They've wanted to go that route. They've wanted to go the transfer right. route. And, uh, you but know. is that what's holding them back? I don't know. It didn't hold really up. developing a quarterback and developing an offense that can compete for the West. I don't know. Didn't hold Oklahoma back. When they had their transfer quarterback. You know, that, that league's different. I, I understand, but it's, I'm saying that you can still find and success. Kyler in Murray transfers. is more in the Cam Newton kind of category. Yeah, just about. I mean, half it'd a foot be great. I, I think Auburn would win more games if they could get a Heisman Trophy winner to transfer in. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think but they're not getting Heisman Trophy guys to yeah. transfer in. And I think a lot of teams would probably be pretty good at that I Heisman think, Trophy winner right. coming in. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays. The new beer of the summer. Auburn is the next team on Arkansas' schedule in SEC play that we are going to preview, or I guess recap their spring, preview their fall. And something we were talking about in the commercial break, Tommy, is that you know with these SEC teams playing big non-conference games mm-hmm. against Power 5 opponents, Auburn opens up with Oregon, with that game being played in Dallas. So that was another thing, too, when we talked about Gus Malzahn and his struggles. A lot of it has to do with their scheduling. I mean, they've played Clemson twice. Right. They've played Washington. Right. They've had to play Georgia and Alabama every year in the SEC schedule at the end of the season. So, I mean, that could also uh, hinder it a little bit, too. But if you're going to be a team that's going to be in the mix for a college football playoff, and I know that the schedule in the SEC West is tough enough, you better be playing that kind of schedule to give yourself the edge if it's close. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And so... It's just funny to me that, you know, where Malzahn, of course, had this big contract signed and, and has this huge buyouts and all of that. I mean, he's getting paid money for a national championship caliber coach. And I know that's not the well, yeah. exact measuring stick that you have for how much a coach you know should be paid. It's like, oh, well, you can't pay him this much if he hasn't won a national championship or whatnot. But when you pay a coach that much, at least in the eyes of the fans, even though it's not necessarily their money all the time, at least not directly going into the pocket, it does make you think, though. It's like, okay, so if you're making that much money and the expectations get risen a little bit and the hot seat gets fired up, if Malzahn does not work out this year and say if they have some big-time booster that comes in and fires it up and says, all right, here's the here's the buyout money, Gus. See you later. Do you still feel like Auburn could attract a big-time coach to come there? Because, given their circumstances, given where they have to recruit at, given the two teams that they're going to have to have as far as their biggest rivals and where they're at, can they attract a big-name, big-time coach to come there? Absolutely. You think I mean, so? Yeah, I mean, look at where their geography can... I mean, they're still close, to, close enough to Atlanta to get great kids or in the state of Alabama. Geographically, now they're not as... They got a better spot than, than than most schools. Not not as good as Georgia. Alabama's just just different, but they're two hours from Atlanta. I mean, where they're geographically located 
in relation to Atlanta is always going to give Auburn a chance. So problem is they're in a, a split state where it's, let's be honest, it's not 50-50 Auburn-Bama. It's no. about 70-30, something, something closer to 70-30 than 50-50. But, no, they're in a great spot. But you're right, they've got to play not only the brutal schedule of the SEC West, but also put, pick up Georgia. And as you said, this year it's Oregon. There's always a team. But I think if you're going to be in the mix and have a strength of schedule worthy of that, you better you better be scheduling that mm-hmm. way. And they open SEC play this year with Texas A&M um, after a couple of non-conference games uh, like Tulane and Kent State in between um, you know, the Oregon game and, and the start of conference play. So, um, you know, they, they better be ready uh, for A&M because I think A&M is getting ready to show up in a big way this year. Yeah. Well, and see, and that could be problematic for a place like Auburn because, I mean, they're, they're a program that expects nationally – well, competitive nature. Right. I mean, that they expect to be competing for a national championship. And when you're going up against the two biggest teams that you're going up against, at least, are Alabama and Georgia, which are there right now. They're competing well, for that. You still have LSU. You still have Texas A&M. It's just really hard to figure out, okay, is, is Auburn's expectations and where they expect them to be a lot higher than where they actually are going to be in compared to the rest of the SEC. Plus, Auburn gets a road trip to Florida this year as well. So you've got to play not just Georgia. you got to play Florida, too, out of the, out of the East. And then two of your last three are Georgia and Bama. You got Sanford sandwiched in between before the Iron Bowl. And uh, by the way, just where does Arkansas fall on the schedule? October 19th, uh, game's in Fayetteville, but it's coming off of a bye week for Auburn. Auburn plays at Florida, bye week, and then takes on the Razorbacks in Fayetteville. Yeah. Before they go to LSU. Think about this schedule right here. They get Mississippi State at home, then they travel to Gainesville, bye week, travel to Fayetteville, then travel to Baton Rouge to take on LSU. So Mississippi State, Florida, Arkansas, LSU in that order before uh, back home for Ole Miss. That's a tough stretch. That That mm-hmm. is the stretch right there. And can you go 3-1 and one in that stretch if you're Auburn? Is going to probably spe- spell the difference between a successful season and an average season. A 2-2 two and two, uh, stretch between those four teams, probably not enough to have a great year. Yeah. But then the knowing pay- you have Georgia and Bama at the end of the year. Right. And then the payoff of that would be in your final four games you all have. And then month of November, you all have them at home. And Ole Miss, Georgia, and Alabama, you all have right. at home. So that can be the payoff. But it's, Tommy, if they don't go, say if they went one and three in those games, then mm. that stretch you were talking about, which I'm, is very possible. Just even two and two. Yeah. I mean, it, two and two because might, you're probably not going to beat Georgia and Bama, although they've done it <laughs> before. They've done it. But remember when they beat what two number one teams, then went to the SEC title game and, and then lost, lost there. Yeah, um, we all remember that well because that's how the negotiations really ramped up to another level. Probably the biggest financial week of Malzahn's life was mm-hmm. that week. Yeah, there's the biggest difference that's for sure. Winning but, those couple of games. But if they if they don't do well in that stretch that you're referring to, it, then that ends on that sour note where you say mm-hmm. they lose to Alabama and Georgia, which are very possible if not likely. Then. I can totally well, see Auburn trying to move on from now, it all. Now, there's a bye week in there, but there are seven conference games in a row on this schedule, beginning with A&M on September 21st, because you play three non-conference games to begin the year with Oregon, Tulane, and Kent State. So, conference play doesn't begin for Auburn until September 21, but then you play A&M. We mentioned Mississippi State. Road trip to Florida, bye week, then Arkansas, LSU, Ole Miss, Georgia, all in a row before you get back out of conference play, and what will be a a glorified bye week with Samford before you play the Iron Bowl. Mm. So, I mean, 
<laughs> the way this schedule sets up also doesn't do it. There, there's no there's no place to hide. There's no place to get a break. Yeah, and a bye week may not be enough in a in a tough stretch like that for um, for them. Yeah, and flip this and flip the uh, narrative. We'll hear a little bit. Look at it from the Arkansas perspective. Arkansas and Auburn, without a doubt, that's the biggest game in Fayetteville this upcoming season. It's not like you have a lot to choose from, but Auburn and Mississippi State are the only two SEC teams you're playing in Fayetteville. Auburn will for sure be the biggest game. What about that matchup? What about how that will go? How do you, as far as where you're at right now, and as far as how you feel about the SEC schedule that Arkansas plays this year, how confident are you that Arkansas could give them a game? Maybe even win that game. I don't like the fact that Auburn has a bye week to get ready. That's never and good. I'm telling you, the relationship between Malzahn and Chad Morris, there's not going to be looking past Arkansas to get ready for LSU. I know that sounds tempting, and it's a great conversation for a show like ours, but Auburn's not looking past Arkansas mm-hmm. to get ready for for the Tigers, yeah. for the other Tigers. Yeah, That's true. Because what's crazy is... I don't like playing teams off their bye week. No, just, no. You know, no, and in any case. They're healthy, they're rested... And particularly when the fact that, you know, they had to go to Florida, how that game goes, you know, they got a case of the Reds for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I don't want them coming to Fayetteville to take it out. It's always going to be a big thing for Malzahn when he comes back to Northwest Arkansas. Oh, yeah. It's There's always, always going to be extra focus. There's always going to be extra attention. He's a detail guy. But when you come back and you play in your own backyard, where you grew up, where your co- head coaching career really took off, your college coaching career began in that stadium – you know, it's always a little extra something behind it. But that it seems like it, there's been very few times where Arkansas's played Auburn and Fayetteville, where those games have gotten away from the Razorbacks. Yeah, well, and it, it's it's crazy when you look at it this way too. That since Gus Malzahn has been at Auburn, which has been 2013, was his first year. Mm-hmm. Arkansas's only won one time, and that one time was in a quadruple overtime game in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. So Auburn has had Arkansas's number. Again, I know you got that victory against him, and I guess it was 2015 is when you beat him that year. But Auburn has had your number. Malzahn has had your number. And, and remember last year's game? I mean, it was obviously oh, a, yeah. a win for Auburn, but everyone... It was weird. It was a weird game, and everybody felt like it was... I don't know if moral victory is the right way, but they Arkansas, felt good. Arkansas exceeded expectations in a, in a pretty decisive win. But didn't they lose thirty one to three? Yeah, but everybody felt good about the way. It, I mean, it was just a weird game, and the emotions. Hey, Arkansas didn't play too bad because of the way you had just been. played in North Texas and Colorado, State. right? Gosh, because everybody was expecting like eighty four to two. You know, let's not go down that road again. Let's. I mean, can we not have that, a game but, next but year. Wasn't like that? that kind of the game last year where yeah. you felt like the team got on track? Was yeah. the road I, trip to yeah. to the Plains? Because I know because even did, though they lost the, decisively, because I think at halftime it was only like ten to three or thirteen to three. Yeah. Like you felt good about it and felt close, and you felt like you were making I tremendous mean, strides. And you think about the Auburn game in Bielema's second year. Wasn't that the elevator game? Yes, the first game of the season on first the road. First game yep. of the year down there, and you and you go down there, and it's hot, and it's muggy, and the humidity's high. But for the first half, it was tied. Arkansas took them to the woodshed. I mean, physically, it was a it was a slobber knocker that Arkansas was was in and going punch for punch, and just ran out of gas. Yeah. But that was where you said, "Ooh, I see what they're trying to do here. I think this can work. There's some real potential." So the Auburn game's been a good good measuring stick for Arkansas in a game that you know Arkansas has been able to compete well in maybe not for four quarters and this year I'll be interested to see if if that game 
with Arkansas, with Auburn coming off the bye, if Arkansas can compete for four quarters this time. Yeah. Because last time it was about two and a half. Well, the, expert, the experts are saying that Auburn may take a step back this year because they have a lot of pieces they're having to replace. And a lot but, of people feel like Arkansas could take steps forward. And so with Arkansas knows? having a very limited home SEC schedule, I think it's a critical game mm-hmm. for Chad Morris to do well in front of home fans when, let's just be honest, the home schedule stinks this year. It sucks. It's not very good. Yeah. So this is one of the few highlights. If you're buying the season tickets, <laughs> this is the game you're going to go to. This is the game you're going to. Yeah. It'll be 11 a.m. Everybody that's doing their corporate tailgate, Yep, this, this is the game. game. This is the game. And it also depends on how Arkansas has done and performed up to that point, too. So Because that game's not until October. So. Right, but still, this regardless of record, this is the game yeah, everybody's going to show up and yes. do the big... You know, the big corporate outing, the yeah. big, because... If you were going to go to a home game, this is what, the one you're going to go to. This game in Mississippi State? Yeah. Awesome. Oh, in Portland State. No free Western Kentucky. Oh, yeah. I forgot them, too. Yeah. Come on. Don't, don't hate on the Hilltoppers now. <laughs> <sighs> Luckily, that's all going to be going away. Home of Ty Story, right? Yeah. Home of Ty Story. Uh, but the thing is, is that next year they'll get four SEC games at home. So, here, I guess there's your payout. Right and right Texas? Now. Is that next year? No, that's no, Notre Dame. Notre, they go on then, the road. Then in Texas, Texas the year after. Yeah, yeah so, but uh, <laughs> it gets better, folks. This year will be the worst one, well, but it does get better. It gets better, but you better get your act together. Yeah. You don't want to get embarrassed. It doesn't mean you get better, but it gets better. The, that's the what's important. <laughs> yeah. Your number one source of local news and information you need. Like the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at hitthatline.com.